Hi, Hot Health Tech listeners. I'm your host this week, Justine Absom. This is the podcast where we tackle some of the trending topics, ideas, and best practice in health and social care. This week, we're speaking to Rhiannon Hoyes. Rhiannon is one of our marketing executives at Radar Healthcare and focuses on our partners and potential partners in the public sector. Outside of work, Rhiannon enjoys writing short stories and screenplays with her husband, one of which has won several awards. Has it? <laughs> yeah, is it? I know. Can you believe it? <laughs> Um, over the years, she's tried her hand at singing, dancing, playing the piano, and has settled on creative writing for now. She spent the last year moving into her first home and has recently got married. Congratulations, Rhiannon. Thank you. So, Rhiannon, welcome to What the Health Tech. Thanks. It's great to be here. I'm excited to have you. <laughs> um, so, today we're going to talk a little bit about KPIs um, and why they're important um, within health and social care. Um, so, earlier this year, you launched a campaign called Let the Day to Do the Talking. Um, It focused on a series of content which went into detail about the importance of goals, objectives, why key performance indicators um, are crucial in determining success, especially when it comes to data. Mm -hmm. So can you give us a little bit of a brief overview around this? Yeah, sure. Um, So the purpose of the campaign was to show how, with software like ours, healthcare workers can easily collate, analyse and access data. So we know a lot of data is still collected manually in healthcare, um, but with the right systems in place, it doesn't always have to be as time-consuming and it doesn't have to take as much effort. So hence the name, uh, Let the Data Do the Talking. So I guess it's this idea that um, data can sound really complicated and out of reach, but we know it makes such a difference, yet why there's still so many challenges around it. So with the campaign, we really wanted to strip all of that back and show the purpose of data and what it means from a healthcare point of view. Yeah, and I think that's really important, is it? I mean, often KPIs are something which is associated with revenue, with sales, you know, I don't think people see them as a big marker of success in other areas. Yep. So what does make them that success within healthcare? Yeah, interesting. I'd, I'd say most organisations so won't just have one focus. So yes, they'll have their sale targets, but they'll also have KPIs across different departments. So HR might have one on employee engagement, customer support might have one on customer satisfaction. It's the same in healthcare, so KPIs are just quantifiable measures that are used to track progress progress, and in turn can be used for decision making. So yeah, but I'd say the main marker of success in, in healthcare is to provide better patient outcomes. So keeping people safe through prevention, diagnosis, treatment um, and so on. But I think the trouble that a lot of healthcare uh, organisations have is that there are a lot of barriers in place and, and sometimes they can be things that are out of their control. So, you know, financial barriers. So we see it all the time, you know, struggling for, for funding, um, especially the NHS, um, but also like geography. So where... Uh, the healthcare organisation might be in the country or even the world. Um, but yeah, there are obviously things that, that are in their control as well. So there are things that they can do. But the main um, marker of success, I'd say, for most healthcare workers is to provide the best possible outcome for the patient. Um, of course, there will be specifics around that. So, for example, a care home might look at reducing the amount of falls they have. 
Um, ambulances might look at reducing waiting times and waiting times is, is a really big barrier that we see again and again um, and because we know the longer a patient has to wait um, for treatment the longer they have to wait for treatment the likelihood of a, a poorer outcome which obviously healthcare organisations really don't want so I think the key is around how organisations can reduce those barriers of getting in the way of providing that better outcome basically um so yeah and I think it's about understanding that barrier as well isn't it you know you, you kind of you can't take the barrier away if you yeah. don't know what the barrier is in the first place yeah yeah and to provide that positive outcome you need to remove the barrier so yeah. you have to understand what those barriers are and I guess that's where things like objectives and goals and you know knowing what what you need to get out of it yeah. can then help remove that yeah definitely um, and just on that, actually, I think the whole going back to the markers of success thing, I think already in my, my nine months at Radar Healthcare, I can see that there's been a, a big shift in, in focus for healthcare. So I think there's, there's tended to, there's been more of a focus on like treatment rather than pre- preventative care. So I saw a stat actually, which said that 5% of the NHS's annual budget was uh, spent on um, treatment and then the rest so 95% was on preventative care so that's um, a huge difference and that was from 2020 and even in that time I I feel like so much has changed like two years you can already see big focuses on preventative care so um, population health for example I think that's all about, about preventative health care isn't it because it's about the wider factors so things like employment um education things like that in and amongst wider populations so it's not just like one area so yeah so much has changed already in that time and uh, yeah I guess that's the beauty of, of healthcare that it is constantly evolving yeah I think it's you know we've seen it this year as well with the introduction of things like learning from patient safety events mm-hmm. um the new PISA framework has has been released I think there's there's a lot of emphasis on that patient safety side of things, which yeah. I think then comes into that that preventative side, I guess, as well. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So what advice would you give to anyone looking for determining your, you know, their KPIs? Where's a good place to start for someone that hasn't maybe looked at key performance indicators initially? Yeah, um, I like to use the the New Year's resolution example. (laughs) And um, I guess that's because for me, from a personal kind of perspective, I don't set myself New Year's resolution, or at least I haven't for years, because I know I've I've never stuck to them. (laughs) Um, I feel like the goals that I have set have always been very short term. So whether that be like, you know, January comes around after Christmas and you're like, yeah, I want to lose weight or I want to lose so much in like four months. You give yourself like a unrealistic time frame. Um, so I like to use the New Year's resolution because I feel like, you know, everyone can relate back to that. I feel like people always set themselves up to kind of fail and then they feel disappointed that they've not achieved it. And then it kind of like sparks that unproductive unproductive cycle of um yeah not kind of achieving their goals um so yeah with kpis i think i i go back to that and i think treat your kpis like you would your own personal goals 
so does it align to your values um and we do have a blog on this on, on our website actually but just to give like a, a basic outline we've got um four steps so one is which we've already discussed what's the desired outcome and for healthcare organizations as we've said a lot of that is to to have that best kind of patient outcome so thinking does it align to that Two is, do your KPIs align to the organisation's values and what they deem important? And if they do, chances are your staff and your team are going to kind of stick to it. And three is, are they realistic? So, you know, there's no point setting something that you know you're not going to be able to achieve in a certain time frame. Um, And, you know, does it fit into your day-to-day? So we use smart objectives a lot in marketing um, and that's all around, you know, is it realistic? And then lastly is I like to use the five W's, so the who, what, when, why and where. So who are your stakeholders and who's going to action your KPIs? Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And I think a lot of the, you know, especially the the W's is is such a almost an easy way to come back to what the goal is. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked loads in previous podcasts about the why, you know, why you're doing yeah. something. Mm-hmm. Um and I think it it could kind of that could work for anything yeah um, and particularly here I think it helps to kind of keep that keep that focus which is is obviously a key thing um so we talk a lot about data um but you know what does it really mean I think there's people probably listening to this going oh, it's data what what do we mean by data um you know a lot of people think numbers um but there's so many more ways to use that information as really good insight and knowledge um, so how can healthcare providers make sure they know what they're doing in or make sure they know they're doing this in the best way possible? Yeah, I think like you say, data is used probably so much in healthcare that the meaning behind it gets so lost. Um but essentially data is just basically things that we assume to be facts that are collected, so numbers Yes, but also like observations and findings, which then can be further interpreted. Um, So there's quantitative and qualitative data and healthcare organisations will have both. But I think the difficulty in quantitative data is that it's kind of lacking the context. So quantitative is the how much, the how often of something. And that's where you say the numbers and that kind of thing where the context isn't really there. And I think that's where a lot of organisations will fall down is because they're lacking that context and and the why. But I'd say for healthcare organisations to get the most out of data, they just need to go back to the basics and try to remove those barriers uh, to achieving that end goal. So if they can't do anything about their financial or, you know, their geographic circumstances, what can they change and review? What systems and processes do they have in place that they can look at changing? And just because something's there obviously doesn't mean it works. I like to use technology as an example. So a lot of our partners have a goal of moving from paper to digital um, because of the barriers of keeping everything separate on paper. Um, and moving to a completely digital solution has so many benefits from reducing admin times, security, um, and having like one source of truth. So yeah, there's, that's just one example of, of you know what, what can be done with data and, and the benefits of looking at systems and, and what you're doing um, yeah, with data. 
I think in that um, that sense as well, talking about you know the manual side of it, I think we touched on it a little bit earlier as well. Um, you know, it's almost impossible to analyse that data in in an insightful way, if you like, um, because you might have you know are you tracking the number of falls? Okay, mm-hmm. that's great, but what does that actually mean, and what can you put in place to prevent that? You know, is it because somebody hasn't drank enough that day, they're dehydrated, has that impacted the fall? You know, if you don't know those elements of something, then yeah. you can't ever put anything in place to stop that happening and therefore, mm-hmm. you know, it stops that outcome that you want of providing the, the highest quality of care or, or the patient safety side of things. So I think to, you know, these solutions are there to mm-hmm. help you kind of bring all of that data together and, and help you analyse it in the in the best way possible as well. Yeah, definitely. I think there's so much that can be done with data as well that, yeah, maybe healthcare organisations just aren't thinking about it. You know, maybe they're thinking that data is, you know, completely, as I've said, like out of their reach and just too complex when, um, yeah, there's systems out there that that really help. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, I think, um, so data culture is a term which I know is heard a lot in our industry. Um, So how do health and social care organisations go about creating a strong data culture themselves, especially if they don't really know where to start? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I'd say with data culture, I think it's, it's really important. I'd say it's probably the most important part of data collection because systems and processes don't just work on their own or at least least they don't in in healthcare. You know, healthcare workers are having to report and record incidents and events that are happening and sometimes they're really serious things that are impacting patients, um, you know, good and bad, but it's important that they record these these things and and that the information is right. I think probably one of the problems um, that we tend to see is that people see data as a source of power. So they hold on to it, which is, you know, ineffective. Um, There's that that well-known quote, knowledge is power. Well, yeah, it might be in some circumstances, but in, in healthcare, actually, it's really counterproductive. You know, if you're not sharing the information, you're not sharing that data then, then who, who's going to benefit from that? And it's not going to be the end patient, that's for sure. It's the irony of it, isn't it? If yeah. The irony is that actually uh, data is so powerful yeah. when shared, mm-hmm. um, whether it's sharing it with you know different departments, different people within the organisation, um, if you're multi-site, different, different sites. It's to share that best practice and that, knowledge of the data that you've you can learn from Mm -hmm. is incredibly powerful because you could impact patient or resident safety at another location yeah um and actually keeping it to yourself isn't powerful it's not a, a thing but actually i think that there still is that misconception that that is there yeah absolutely um and one thing i was going to mention was um i think it's watkins um actually breaks it down breaks um, data culture down into three areas, which is kind of what you've touched on, which is uh, the value that people place on on data, the literacy around analytics in the organisation, and as you've said with the location thing, how well analytics reaches across the organisation. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, like you say, the different, if an organisation has different locations, departments and stuff, um, that becomes even more important because they need to get it right, not just what in one place, but in, in multiple places. Um, and, 
yeah there's there's so much value that can be be had with it I think and there's actually about I think it's 10,000 data and analysts professions in the NHS and, and like public bodies so that's a lot of roles um, and and there's more in primary care and other areas so although there will be people that place value on on data it doesn't mean it's the same across the the rest of the organization so um yeah I think it's about understanding the why and, and taking people along the ride and, and the story of the organization so you know everything can be shared and there's that data culture and that engagement across the whole uh, organization yeah you um you very briefly mentioned as, as part of that about um analysis and i think you know analyzing your data can make that's the bit that can make a real difference um to an organization and create that better outcome as a result of it um but it does also go back to what we discussed at the beginning about an understanding of what an organization wants to achieve mm-hmm. with this with the kpis um so what should our listeners consider when looking at a successful data management process yeah i think data management and data culture will need to go hand in hand so consider this your your big organization you have multiple staff locations um departments even chances are your data is probably going to be all over the place or you might be using excel spreadsheets and paper still and things that aren't traceable and because your staff are most likely needing to access data quite quickly um, and you want to make sure that things are picked up in someone's absence perhaps um, then everything will need to be centralized um, and that's where a data management system will come in and, and, and will help so it makes sure that everyone's reading off the same hymn sheet um, and one of our partners has done this really well actually so they've seen like instant positives from bringing all of their data together and the the feedback that they got was really good from making like their data accessible for different people across the organization so not just you know certain staff members um, and because they spent basically before using our system they were spending time locating the information and they weren't actually looking at the data they were just spending time trying to find it so mm-hmm. yeah that that in itself just shows how how things can change when you've got the right systems in place yeah it's about sometimes thinking it's about actually we've got a report to do yeah let's put in what we need to put yeah. in to, to sort of achieve the objective of that report but actually the objective should be but what does this mean yeah how do we stop it how do we prevent yeah. it and I think that's yeah. that's that bit where something like that even that kind of involvement mm-hmm. is actually kind of really important for for the future really yeah and we're, we're probably all guilty of it aren't we mm-hmm. with you know things that we have to do for our jobs that we don't necessarily maybe know why we're doing it or understand and and like you say you spend that time collating everything together but then, you know, you don't actually know the true value of it kind of after you've done it, maybe. Um, so, yeah. And that, again, you know, you mentioned about the true value there. You know, coming back to people feeling valued mm-hmm. and that workplace culture. And there's so many things that actually sort of feed into this a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, people feeling valued, they're reporting an incident, for example, but then what happens to that? You know, getting that feedback mm-hmm. of what happened on the back of that makes them feel valued in terms of actually it yes, that was the right thing to do. Yeah. Actually this is what's now happening on the back of that. 
this has now stopped x happening you know whatever that might be I think there's lots of little bits like that that all feed into it to kind of come back to almost that joined up approach if you like Mm -hmm. Um, yeah you know I don't think people instantly think how data could impact a workplace culture but actually Mm -hmm. this is where it can yeah definitely yeah I think you're you're right you're bang on there so going back to um setting goals and objectives Mm -hmm. um what should our listeners do to make sure that they don't lose sight of that I guess it's going back to that why and Mm -hmm. and understanding that you know how do they remember what they're they're setting out to achieve in the first place yeah, uh, it's funny that you say that, actually, because I think one of our customer success managers was sat in this exact chair <laughs> doing, I think it was a partnership podcast, and I think he said a similar thing, that our partners, yeah, kind of lost sight of their KPIs in amongst their day-to-day roles. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it is really difficult. That That's the hard part, isn't it? It's really difficult, but just going back to that, telling the story and having the right systems and processes in place to make things as easy as possible to remove those barriers so that you can make it as easy as possible for your staff basically to access that that information because as we said data culture is all about you know bringing people together so they understand um you know if it's not your role and you're not doing it day in day out you're not going to understand it so yeah it's all about that story and showing that everyone in the the business well the organization has a purpose Mm. and and they're there to make a difference so yeah it's that communication side as well isn't it you know it's I think the the podcast that you're referring to I think it was said in that that you know often the person that's making the decision or the the purchase of something like a data management system Mm -hmm. for example um they're not the ones using it day to day they're not the ones that are actually focusing on the how it implements how you know all of those kind of areas mm-hmm. um and actually communicating what the original objective is of why they're getting this filtering that down to everybody who is then using it and yeah. how that is going to impact their day to day yeah that's fundamental really in, yeah you know, if people can understand why it's going to help or how it's going to help um, and why they've done it in the first place, then it's a much better place to be, I think, Yeah. Um, in terms of how you can make a difference and it's about working together, I think. Definitely, yeah. Um. So, Rhiannon, at the end of every episode, we like to ask about what the health tech moment. Um, it's a bit of fun, it's weird and wonderful stories from people that work within health and social care. Um, you know, we've had lots of different variations of these. So, what's your what the health tech moment? Oh, uh, <laughs> okay. So, I think I've got one. Um, I think, so... I used to work at a prosthetics company. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, before working at Radar Healthcare and we did kind of, you know, we saw patients and we did, like, case studies and stuff. Um, and there was this one one time where we had a lady who was a patient who we were going and we were going down to, to London to film her and she was going to do water skiing. And wow. she were, she wore a prosthetic leg and everything. Um and she did triathlon, triathlons and all sorts. Um, and yeah, I was traveling down and I just happened to be in the car with her traveling to, to where we were going. And she was just explaining to me what had happened to her and how she'd had this tragic accident, uh, which was in a car. Um, and she basically, yeah, she 
lost her, her foot. And now she's wearing a prosthetic leg and she's driving me, she's <laughs> driving to, to this water skiing place and she's going to, you know, do water skiing. And I was just sat in the passenger seat thinking, oh my God, how how is she doing this? You know, like she's basically, you know, she's overcome probably a fear that she might have had before. And it was just so inspiring. I think she said something like, oh, um, I do this for my son. Um, yeah, which was just amazing. I think after that, I was like, you know, people really can get through yeah. anything. So, yeah, it was a really special moment. Oh, that's a really lovely, um, a lovely story about that. And I think that, you know, that again, that's just an, another side of healthcare that that people don't always think about. There's so much involved. It's, it's yeah. incredible. So, yeah, what a, a lovely what the health tech moment. Um, so thank you for joining us this week, Rhiannon, and thank you to everybody else for listening. Join us next Thursday for another new episode of What the Health Tech. And don't forget to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions for us or our guests, please email whatthehealthtech at radarhealthcare.com. <laughs>